and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Marion Gold. Now Marion is the lead singer of the German band Alphaville, who just released their brand new double album called Eternally Yours. They took 23 of their best songs and recorded it with an orchestra. Songs like Big in Japan and of course Forever Young. Now Forever Young is one of those songs that is universally loved. It is plays weddings, funerals. It's, it's such a love song. But in fact, it only reached 65 on the Billboard Hot 100. And it was released three times as a single. Marion talks just about the legacy of that song and some of the other songs that he just didn't want to put on albums that luckily he was proved wrong. Uh, We talk about the follow-ups to Forever Young as well. Marion is the lone original member of the band in the group. And his uh, youngest daughter actually joins us for a quick couple seconds during the interview. I enjoyed my interview with Marion and I hope you do as well. So, Marion, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Hello. Hmm. Great great to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thanks for hopping on today. Um, so the new album, the new double album, comes out uh, September 23rd, Eternally Yours, a uh, symphonic double album, which a couple of the songs have been released. Uh, the version of Forever Young is fantastic. Uh, big in Japan, of course. Um, how did the concept of this album come about? Well, um, I mean, the idea hang above our heads like uh, the sort of Damocles in a way, uh, because we were thinking about this for quite a long while. And um, um, I, the idea as such is, is not very new and not very original, but um, we, we wanted to do it in a different way. It was not our idea to stand in front of a big orchestra just, you know, playing our songs and there's a kind of violin tapestry behind us. Uh, which would not really have any impact on 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 the character or on the way the songs would sound. They would probably sound just a little bit bigger or a little bit more. I don't know what. Uh, so that was not our interest. We we thought if we include an orchestra, not including but making the orchestra to the, for, to the star of the whole production, it would have a massive impact of the way the songs would not only sound but also the song would become some 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 something different uh, so there's always in each song is a potential and with with one the one version that you do is one aspect of this potential so we thought if we use this orchestra we could probably illuminate many more of these aspects of what what the character of the song could be. And uh, that was only possible if we'd agree that we ourselves would not play on the album, apart from my part, I I did all uh, all the singing. We would not play on this album, but the the orchestra would do the whole work. And and then we started to arrange the songs and it, it very soon became obvious that that was the right way because the songs uh they 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 changed massively you know and uh, up tempo songs became ballads uh, ballads became up tempo songs uh, uh four on the floor songs became waltzes and um it, it was in a way it was like you shoot up a rocket 
into the sky, into the night sky. And then if it's in absolute height, you know, it explodes. And, and that was the orchestra. That was what the orchestra did with the song. It just explodes in all different directions in multicolored. And, uh, and exactly that happened. And that was the goal and the task that we, uh, that we were following. But with this production, and that made this production, that gives this production the authenticity, you know, and, and the reason, you know, that to do it. Yeah. Were there any songs that, like, after the orchestra played on them and, you know, kind of made them their own that you just didn't feel like it should be on that album? Like, or every song, no. every song made it that was recorded, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, as a, it was because we did all the arrangements and, and uh, together with, uh, we had, because we had no experience, you know, writing notations, music for for big orchestras. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, an orchestra consists out of many monophonic instruments. I mean, most of the instruments in a in a um, in an orchestra are monophonic. They cannot play chords, you know. So, when if you if you want to uh, if you want to introduce a chord, you have to you have to have like flutes, violins, you know, and each. Uh, each instrument plays a different line, you know, and they all add to one chord. It's it's just amazing. I mean, it's just it was all, it's a two, completely new world. Also for me, um, I was always a great fan listening to music, to classical music. Right. Great fan of classical music, but now I got really into these things and understood why why it sounds so fantastic. You now the reason is that that there is a concert of many 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 voices different monophonic voices. It's just like a big choir of humans and they also have different voices like alto and soprano and bass, whatever. And here we have not only different keys, but we have also different characters of uh, of instruments, you know, a flute and 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 uh, uh, an oboe, for instance, you know, complete different instruments, you know, a saxophone or a trumpet, you know, and uh, or a clarinet. And it's... <clears throat> You have so many colors. Suddenly, although we were basically movie directors during this production, uh, and we had the stuff, and we had the actors. The instruments were the actors. We had, we had the, this amazing technology around it. You know, you need a complete different way of recording music. You know, when you when you when you're recording with an orchestra, all this became a complete new experience for us. And. It was really a fantastic adventure, and it was crowned by the results. Because when when we finally mixed the songs and we could finally listen to the to the results, it was just an overwhelming moment. You know, it was it, because it sounds so much better than we ever expected it to be. I mean, we always we always knew that it would sound great, but how great it would sound in the end that, that came when we were mixing it, and it was just like I mean, we, we couldn't believe it. It was yeah, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah. Was there one particular song that kind of overwhelmed you more than the others? Like, wow, this this was unbelievably, you know, surprising. Yeah, the title track, <clears throat> because the title track was uh, "Eternally Yours" was the only text that we had specially written for um, for for this album, and the other songs were basically unintentionally written in in uh, in respect, you know, for. Being uh, being used for a symphonic album in the in the in the far future, uh, but eternally yours. The title track we written exclusively with the target with the, with the goal that it would be the 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 headline of the whole album, and uh, and that was 
we never had written a, such a song you know it was just like it was really a big challenge for us and and we it made us very very nervous also but we said okay we go for it you know we now we write the song and the first thing we had uh, the only thing we had in the beginning was just the title i mean we knew the title was should have been should be for uh, eternally yours and um, um and that was the starting point so first of all, first of all we had the lyrics and then we wrote once we had the lyrics and we wrote the music and uh, it was a complete different thing how we normally compose music you know we normally we start with a musical idea not with just a silly title or whatever you know it's, it is uh, yeah but it was the only the only thing that we could grab at the, at the very beginning of of the production of this song so uh and this song has an ex has an extreme dynamical dynamic power you know and slow parts and in very in very extreme rock kind of parts you know and um <clears throat> and it all yeah it kind of worked out so um we we passed the challenge we passed the test <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> exactly yeah now i'm looking forward to hearing the title track because the, the three songs you released so far been fantastic and then universal is there a song that fits symphonically more than forever young i mean every version you guys have released of it it's just been fantastic each version has been better than the next but this version of forever young is is absolutely breathtaking Do you really want to live forever? 
Thank you. Well, I mean, there's, there's not much I can add to this. It's, it's uh, uh, forever, forever Young. Uh, turning Forever Young into the symphonic version was actually the easiest way. And I think it didn't change very much. I mean, all the other songs changed. It, it were changed much more by this uh, treatment. Uh, but Forever Young, from from its very core, it seemed to be meant for uh, for such an arrangement. And uh, it, it's just, I mean, I have no explanation for it because when we started uh, making it, you would never think about this. I mean, the only explanation that I have is that. I mean, from my side, from my part, my, for my contribution to this song, because I have not written this song all alone. You know, I have written it with two other guys, and they all added important things to this. Uh, concerning my person, I mean, I, I just I remember that when I was a little boy, I was listening. <clears throat> we had a, a a big tube radio in our living room, really a monstrous thing with a big green eye, you know, in a, in a, in a loudspeaker. Which would shine when it when you when you uh, wander through the uh, through the wave lenses and if you approach the station then the 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 the, the green eye would really shine you know give gave you a sign oh you're very close to the station go go ahead <laughs> and uh, and I was absolutely as a six year old I was absolutely fascinated by this by this instrument it was yeah it was a kind of instrument for me and it was kind of like I mean, computer weren't invented at the time, but it was a kind of futuristic thing for me. And and whenever I had the uh, the time, you know, I was sitting in front of this radio, especially in the evening when everything was dark. You know, I, I shut off the lights. There was only the green light, and then the uh, the the light of the instrument of the of the panel, you know, from 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 the radio. And then I I I, I turned the knob and went through all these wavelengths, and you had this. You had these funny noises like and then blah 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 blah. Some somebody started talking and then uh and then there came some music and then again all these strange noises. And I was absolutely fascinated by it. And the other thing was that once I had a station, a, a steady go on a station, um what they were playing basically at those times in the late 50s and early 60s on the radio in Europe was classical music. And I was really very much caught by, by this by this music. I was absolutely fascinated. I, I, I was listening to this music without knowing that the names of the composers were Chopin or Mozart or Handel or whatever. Um, <clears throat> Uh, later, later on, I, I found out that as a six-year-old, I was a great fan of Chopin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was very much influenced. I mean, I was very focused on on this kind of music, and uh, it, I, on a very emotional level. Uh, sometimes I was really, I was almost crying, you know, when I was listening to this music, and um, and late thirty. Well, 25 years later, when when I finally started making composing music myself, um, maybe all these elements from you know from these formative times, you know, uh, floated into into this into into our first compositions. You know, it's it's, it's not only concerning Forever Young, but also uh, songs like a melody or Let's Come Home or um, Pandora's Lullaby. Many many other of these songs have this touch of classical symphonic uh, ideas behind, you know. Yeah. So how did um, the three of you get together originally? 
Sorry? How did the three of you get together originally way back when to form the band? Uh, how we how we did get together? Um, well, I mean, uh, Bernard, I met the first time when I was in, in West Berlin, when I lived in West Berlin at that time. And um, he was a friend of he was a friend of a friend of mine with whom I started making music. And and he said, oh, this is this is another guy, his name is Bernd. He's also doing music on his own. And we were all starting at, at the same level at the time. You know, we were comp- we were basically fans of music. Suddenly the those little toys appeared, you know, like little drum drum boxes and little sequences. And we we could afford I mean we were basically punks at that time, you know, but <laughs> These these little toys, you know, we could afford somehow if we, you know, worked hard and or you know or on, on construction places or whatever or driving taxi or what whatever uh, possibilities there were, and um, <clears throat> and and nobody could really play an instrument, and uh, so with these little things, we were these little things enabled us to. Uh, to compose music it, it was just a fantastic moment so bernard michael or me and frank we all started at the same on the same level as non-instrumentalists and we did not cover any other artist songs but straight from the beginning we were writing our music so this, the second song i ever wrote in my life was big in japan with i mean without any knowledge about music or composition or whatever, or playing an instrument or whatever. I mean, it was just, we had this sequencer. Uh, it was a Roland sequencer, uh, 100M system, quite expensive at that time. Um, <clears throat> I sold my whole record collection for it. And um, and we, the problem was that we, we could not afford uh, polyphonic instruments. Uh, they were really, I mean, they were out of, out of our uh, reach by far. <clears throat> uh, but we wanted to have something like a, a chord line in, 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 in this song. And, and what we did was this, this, uh, this Roland sequencer had two oscillators. So we, we detuned them for a fifth and then let it, let it run. And suddenly we had something like a chord section in the song. You know, so, I mean, all these things when when you when you really limit it in your possibilities, you know it makes you very very inventive, right? And and you find for everything a solution. I think there's nothing more important that when you go into into recording or into composition sessions, limit yourself, limit yourself as much as you can, because then creativity rules from that moment on. If you have all the possibilities, then creativity starts to sleep. You know, it, it it just sleeps. Right. It leaves you alone. Yeah, no, that's actually a great point. Absolutely. Uh, now, when did you guys decide to like record like your songs in English? What was that something you always wanted to do? You figured that'd be more, more broader appeal outside of Germany. Um, well, basically, most of the music of, of the artists at the time when we started making music ourselves, all the artists came from basically from England. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like just the language belonged to to the music in a way. Uh, we had also a couple of uh, German songs, um, 
And when we were thinking about a concept for the first album, um, we, we we thought about, okay, what, 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 what are we going to do now? Do we do a German language album or an English German, uh, an English uh, language album? And then we, we went through our songs and we had like the German songs like uh, Blauer Engel, uh, Leben ohne Ende, um, Traumtänzer. And then we had the English songs. Big in Japan, sounds like a melody forever young. Mm, right. I mean, okay, uh, the decision was easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. So when you guys were like searching for a record deal, you had a demo of just Big in Japan. What other songs did you have on this demo? Uh, we had, um, I have, I have a, a slight remember. It was, I think we had Victory of Love. Uh, we had a version of Forever Young on it, which was an up-tempo version. Right. Uh, we had uh, Summer in Berlin and um, yeah, and some, some German songs that I can't remember anymore. Uh, so, but Big in Japan, actually at that time was already a very old song. It was like two years old or so. I, I did not include it on, on this tape because I thought it's such an old song. Right. Um, Nobody will be interested in this. No, we have here, we have new material, you know, we, I want to present the new yeah. material. Uh, and uh, so we, but we kind of managed, you know, to get interest, you know, and all, almost every uh, person that we uh, met, you know, and asked, you know, if he had interest, you know, in producing or signing Alphaville. And, um, we had like five dates. I, I traveled, I hitchhiked from Münster to, to West Berlin that day and had like five dates with five different publishers and record company representatives. Um, and I played them the tape. And after the, the fourth or fifth song, they said, all right, deal. I, mean, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I thought it was very difficult. You know, to, right. I, mean, I knew from our friends that were like, trying and trying, you know, for years and years to yeah. get a record deal. And here I said, you know, and and then I called back to to, to the guys and said, I have I have three offers here. I, I, I have no, I have no explanation for it, but I have three offers. There are three record companies that want signers, EMI, Warner and um uh, Telec, I think or something. So um um yeah, and that was the situation. And then suddenly we were, we were there and had had a record deal. That was it was then with Warner. We did this, this signing with Warner, and um, it was very easy. It was we were really lucky bastards. <laughs> no other explanation for this. I mean, because I mean, you have you can you may have talent. You may have you may have extremely. Uh, you know, you can play instruments very well and you have an extremely compositional talent or whatever, you know, but what you also need is luck. Uh, you need you need to to meet the right people. And if you if you don't meet them, you know, you can be as talented as you want. You know, it, it doesn't make we were simply lucky that we found I mean we have we are we we were and still are talented. Right. I'm not saying that we're not, but um we we were also we had lots of luck that we met the right pe person that we came at the right time with the right music and there are so many aspects of it you know that are important 
that are out of your uh, that have nothing to do with your abilities you know your artistic abilities yeah so then when you guys were making you know the forever young album was it an easy decision oh we're going to put big in japan right back on this album because yeah, you didn't include it in the demo no, I, was, I, was, I was i was against, I was against it oh. <laughs> I was I was against it, uh, and Bernard actually saved the song. He said, "Are you crazy?" I said, "No, I'm not this old. I don't right. want to have it. On, I don't want to have it." I was I was an idiot. I mean, he was he was he really saved it, you know. Right.
something similar happened actually with Forever Young. Uh, I was a little idiot again there. <laughs> Bernard again saved it. Right. Because he came up with this, this, this music tape and played me uh, a really rough version of uh, a chord sequence, you know, which later on became Forever Young. And it was like an up-tempo thing. It went down, 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 down. And so, and I, when I heard it, I said, wow, this is fantastic. I love it. I love it. I want to sing on it. Just give me, give me, give me a minute. You know, so I sat down and wrote the lyrics for Forever Young within like, uh, I don't know, um, 45 minutes or so. Wow. And and um, uh, and then I came back and said, come on, I, I want to sing it like this. So, so I sang him, I sang the chorus. I sang him uh, the, 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 the verses and everything. And um, and he uh, he said, oh yeah, that's great, that's great. I said, yeah, what, just wait a minute. I mean, the verses are okay, but I think uh, the chorus is not right. So I I probably give you a better a better version of the chorus. <laughs> you know, I said, no, 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 don't do it. You know, it's <laughs> fantastic. Just do it like this. What what's going on? <laughs> what well, he's American actually, but we speak in English. But the Americans also speak English, like the Austrians speak in German. Keine Ahnung. Okay. Aber jetzt gehen wir, weil ich muss hier dieses Interview machen. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's my youngest bunny. Oh, okay. He's adorable. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually recording in my daughter's room right now. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. My my yeah, because my my studio became my youngest son's room. So I usually go in my bedroom and do my wife is sick so i got i'm like a nomad right now <laughs> yeah so the um the, yeah so the gong at the end of big in japan the infamous gong how did that come about it was just because of it was big in japan i mean the song has nothing to do with right uh, with japan and actually i mean bernard Bernard once said it, put it really right in an interview uh, when he said, uh, you know, we were always lying. Uh, we were never in Japan and we're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's because a, a Japan, big in Japan is in, in, in fact, is, it's a line, you know, from a saying at that time when people said, uh, you know, when people claim, you know, I'm I'm big, you know. I I'm really not here, but in Japan, you yeah. know, they're I'm really big, you know. And so the, these guys, when they were like big mouths, you know, guys, you know. And when you say, yeah, he's big in Japan," then you meant a different thing, you know. You meant like just an idiot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that seemed to fit uh, to this to this idea behind the lyrics, which is just the the story about. A junkie who's trying to get rid of, you know, trying to get out of this uh, drug roundabout, and uh, uh, and he, uh, yeah, and he he imagines you now it would be, you know, if he would be clean one day, you know, but it's it's a use. He's just big in Japan. He will never do it. That, that is the story uh, uh, behind big in Japan. It's quite a sad story. Actually, there, are, I mean, there are lots of cover versions right. uh, um, of big in Japan and. If you play this song very slow, it becomes un it becomes unbelievably sad. It's it, it becomes ex hmm. exactly the sad story that it it actually tells. 
were you surprised like the immediate success of the song like right off the bat i mean it's number one everywhere it did well in the states i mean how how like shocked were you we were not shocked we were just very happy (laughs) (laughs) it was we, we were very i mean we were very innocent people we um i mean we started making music just because we love making music and it was never the idea to be successful or right. to uh, to be number one or or whatever you know to be in competition with other artists and all this i mean i till today i don't believe in all these things uh, and um it was just that we we loved the music we loved what we were doing we were so excited every new song that we finished was oh we have we have written a song yeah. we couldn't believe it ourselves that we were able to do this no, but we had all these little machine machines, and and they made they made it possible a dream come true. You know, we were fans of music, and suddenly we were no longer fans. Not only fans, uh, I'm t- till today I'm a fan of music and other other artists. But um, we could do our own thing, and that that was absolutely. Then we had this record deal, and uh, and a- again it was like, yeah, we have a record deal. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> And then uh, we were six weeks after the release of Big in Japan, we were number one in Germany and and in many, many other Mm -hmm. countries all over Europe. And uh, and it was just like being in a Technicolor dream. And uh, uh, it was really absolutely great. And we, we wouldn't think about like, oh, did we do we, did we do, do we deserve this or um, what, what comes after this or, Oh, we have to uh, have to write another hit. Or, for instance, at that time, uh, songs like melody, songs like melody didn't exist. Okay. The song, we hadn't written the song so far, so it was planned that the first single would be "Big in Japan" and then the second single would be "Forever Young," but nobody expected to be "Big in Japan" such a fast success. Mm-hmm. So suddenly there was a song missing because it was planned that Forever Young would be released in autumn, you know, so that you get into the Christmas yeah. things. I don't need to tell you that. And um, and suddenly there was a big gap and the, some people from the rec company came to our studio in, in Münster, in this little town we were residing at the time, and said, hey, listen, guys, you are fantastic. You know how to write hits. Can you write another hit for us, you know, that we can place in the middle between uh, Big in Japan and Forever Young? And we said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> because we thought, yeah, we can do anything. I mean, we right. just did, you know. So, I mean, we, nobody in the band had a problem with this. You know, so we sat down and wrote uh, Sounds Like Melody in, in one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then we played it to them and they said, yeah, great, you geniuses. And then we released it and it worked.
And that was actually the the moment from uh, from where I started to hate the song because okay. <laughs> because yeah because it was there was something bad about it about its uh, its birth you know it, uh, something about that I would have would I did not think that I didn't did not think about when when we actually started when we got this offer and write another hit and we, yeah we write yeah. another hit and then we wrote songs like it was just like a game. That would yeah. never work out. I would never. Nobody of us believed it really. I mean, we just said, "Okay, they want to read it. Now we write a funny, funny song yeah. and give them, that, and you know, it's a big hit." <laughs> and and it became a big hit, you know. And and then we were just, okay, it's strange, you know. And I I really hated this song for for the way it was originated because it was a commercial totally commercial thing and it had nothing to do with what what we normally invest from emotionally you know right. in, in to our compositions it had nothing to do with that and um that was my my absolutely uh, conviction about this song and um and then in 1992 or 93 when when we finally started touring you know because we couldn't tour in, in the 80s because we we, we couldn't play good yeah. enough to do this. So in, in the beginning of the 90s, we finally reached a state of uh, uh, to that we could really go on stage and play our songs. Um, we ha- I had this musical director, which he was also part of the band, uh, Martin Lister, a very close friend and of mine and also somebody I wrote a lot of wonderful songs together with him and and he came up and said hey Marion um why 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 do we never play uh, songs like a melody and I said because I hate this song it's it's not it's not a serious song it's just a joke and I'm I'm not I'm I have a bad feeling when and he said oh no this is, you cannot do this it's really a great song believe me uh listen Marion I I prepare something with the band this afternoon tonight you come in, come into the studio and we play and, and you sing alongside with us and all right i said okay if you want to do it you know but i i don't think that it will work out so that very night i came down in in uh, in the basement where we were rec- uh, where we did the session and um we played the song a couple of times and in fact it was lots of fun <laughs> right <laughs> and i started to like i started to like the song i mean I, I still, in meanwhile, I probably I even love love the song. So I mean, it's it's really not a bad song. Actually, it's not a bad song, and and since then we we play it continuously in our, on our shows as well as all the other big songs we have. And um, yeah, and it's still it's still big, much fun to 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 play the song. And uh, I have no no problem anymore. Thank you, Mark. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's a great song. I probably you know I guess the time you needed time from when you wrote it to actually. To that point, maybe to you know, kind of the anger, maybe to simmer down, or you know, the, the, the false pretenses, maybe how was it, why it was written, you know, because you, you want to write a song that's yeah. meaningful for you, not meaningful for the record company, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean that that helps, you know, you know, every you know month when the check comes in, but that's that's another story. <laughs> but um, like in the in the states, like for every young, you would think was such a massive hit i mean it's well known universally loved but it didn't really do well like on the charts in, in the states i mean it's more like you know they say a movie comes out you know the fans love it critically acclaimed but it doesn't do well in the box office but forever young is universally loved and 
wasn't even a top 10, top 20, top 40 hit in the States. And that's mind boggling because it's one of the most like loved songs of the 80s. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, for a song like this, uh, charts, you know, chart position or what doesn't matter for a song like this. It right. it, it, is, it goes against all odds, you know, into the into the mind of uh, probably a quarter of humanity. Meanwhile, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a song like yesterday. It's, it's really and and there is a, I mean, the the phenomenon uh, that this song. Uh, is 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 that it gives it has an elementary answer to many contradictional situations. Like I mean, people play it on funerals and birthdays, on on weddings, right. all kind of okay, contradictory situations, you know. And this song seems to give people in in all these contradictional situations uh, an answer that. Of sol solace, I don't know, and and um, uh, and I don't know why why this song does it. I mean, it's it's a, everything. When we wrote it, we we did not know what we were doing at that very moment. I mean, it was just one of it was just just one of the songs when we started writing it, and uh, the song. I mean, the song seems to be like bigger than than ourselves, right? It, it is bigger than our. It, it, there is something in it which uh, we have no. Con it's, it's either either something uh, a chance thing, you know, something that is just a chance meeting of many uh, important little things that this song consists out and makes it to something very special. I don't know. It's, it's, I have no explanation for that, but it's. I'm very happy that. Uh, um, that I'm I'm involved in in the composition of this song and I'm very proud on this song and also I, I'm very proud that we can give this song to 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 the public and to to the listeners and I think this song makes many many people very happy so it's it's great yeah it does I'm I'm very glad you guys released it because I absolutely love the song it's one of the songs if I hear it and I'm in the car and I'm like get to my destination I'll stay in the car wait for the song to finish and then leave my car because it's one of those you know. I guess universally love songs and it's, it's fantastic. And the new version of it is just as good as like, like you said, that song didn't really change as much symphonically as the original, but just your new vocals are, are great. And just hear, hearing it in front of a orchestra is, is fantastic. Um, let's talk about uh, afternoon the utopia. So they, the second album, they always say you have your whole life to write the first album, like six months to write your second album. Was that the same for you guys? Was there a lot of pressure the record company for that album? There probably was, but we did not realize that. I mean, it's, um, <clears throat> um, actually, it was a quite happy time when we, when we were writing Afternoons in Utopia. In a way, that the order of the releases, you know, of uh, Forever Young and After the Joker is 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 wrong because when we when we did uh, the Forever Young album, it was basically a reflection about the days in uh, West Berlin, and we were we were all caught by this homesickness. We were in in the countryside somewhere in West Germany, 
Um, we, we moved there because we had the facilities to, uh, for, a, for a studio and we could live all together there. Um, that was the reason that we, that, that we left West Berlin. Um, but once we were there, it was very beautiful. And uh, But uh, we were missing this really extraordinary place, uh, which was uh, West Berlin at that time. And um, so the album is basically about West Berlin. I mean, the jet set, uh, big in Japan, uh, the, uh, summer in Berlin, all these songs talk about certain situations uh, that we experienced when we, at the time we were living there. And um, <clears throat> and when this album came out, we were constantly on 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 the run. We were constantly uh, in many different countries, in hotel rooms, in uh, flying all around the world, and uh, we we were not at home. And so, when we finally finished the promotion for this album and started with the next one, it was like like a homecoming. In a way, and that that is afternoons in Utopia. Afternoons in Utopia is our home run back to the sources, back from where we came. It is all about these fantastic things uh, that were in our minds. All these crazy ideas about talking with dolphins and <laughs> and um, I mean, our home was is of is a fantasy. It's a fantasy land, and that's where we all created. Uh, the first album forever young we created you know because we had these these fantasies about possibly we were not afraid about po for possibilities you know we just took them and and when we finally had the time we had to think about from where we from where we were coming you know we started to write the songs for afternoons in utopia and all these songs brought us back to to a time before Forever young, and um, so I mean the, the the right order of of albums should be Afternoon's Utopia first, and then Forever Young as second album. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you if you put it like this, then there is no problem with the second album. <laughs> right. <laughs> How many bands have? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like the second album, but uh, it's you know it's really good. The Third one I want to talk about because I heard there was a lot of difficulties in the production of the album. Um, I like it. It's departure from the first two albums. And I think that's what makes bands good. It's like you don't want to have like the same album released every single time. I think it's kind of like stale. Just talk about the making of that album. The Breathtaking well, the Blue. That, actually, uh, The Breathtaking Blue was... Uh was concerning the problems that we had writing writing the album it was our second album that was our second album okay because there suddenly all this the the this these problems occurred like pressure from the record company and uh doubts about one's own possibility are we good songwriters you know we and looking for new ways you know for in which direction shall we go now you know, haven't we said everything we can say? Shouldn't we just stop here and just we did these two albums, that's it, and do some other jobs? We had all these doubts and all these problems, and then also we we spent so much time over the last five years with each other. It was like a really a marriage going bad, really bad. 
So we had really lots of uh, interpersonal problems inside the band, and uh, especially to, between Bernard and me. I mean, there was just a wall of hate sometimes. Right. And uh, I mean, he's my best friend. You know, he still <laughs> is my best friend. But that time, just terrible, horrible time for for each of us. And it is it is really a, a great success alone that we finished this album and put it out and promoted it together. I mean, because at, at that uh, state of uh, this is a situation we were all in was just very unlikely that we would ever finish the album, that we would ever do something together again. And um, funny enough, there are lots of really calm and relaxed, like like uh, for a million and and or or even funny numbers like like the swing numbers like uh, anyway for instance right. you know, a song which I really like very much and it's just it's it is also very solastic it's it's very um, it, it says the song you know it's the final song of the album it says like yeah take your old head or mm-hmm. you know take any head you want mm-hmm. and nobody sees even if it doesn't if it's not your head just take it and go out because everything's fine, all the pieces came together and everything said, what has to be said is said, you know. So um, <clears throat> uh, the album does not really, actually, apart from the really angry uh, guitar in the intro of Romeo's, it does not really uh, reflect this tension in which it was made, you know. Uh, probably we just fled all into the music to escape this terrible atmosphere that we were living in at the moment, you know. Is that kind of why it took about five years for Prostitute to come out? Yeah, because, and it's not only, I mean, we, we needed to have a rest from each other after the breathtaking mm-hmm. blue. And um, it is not only the five years, it's also, uh, I did two solo albums in this, mm-hmm. during this time uh, because I had just a really massive output of uh, ideas and songs and stuff. And, um, <clears throat> And then after five years, we, uh, yeah, it was just like, we, we I, I met Bernard and we were talking about, uh, we had, hadn't seen each other for months and we were talking about possibilities, you know, what, what are you doing? What, what am I doing? And, uh, and suddenly we were talking about music and about, um, you know, I've I've written a song there. I just I was just wondering if you had any interest in writing some lyrics for it and sing on it. And said, Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, I would like to do that. Actually, I have some really rough ideas for a song. I mean, I could give to you, and 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 then it all started all over again. And it was just at the very moment when we found out that there was a chance of, of collaboration we started to understand how much we miss, missed each other during these five years and that we needed each other, that we were friends. And and then it was like, yeah, all these songs we, that we wrote on Prostitute, it's <laughs> a funny title, um, uh, was, uh, were kind of love letters to each other. You know, that, yeah, I give you, I give you my song, and you can do. With, I trust you. You can do with it what you want. I give you my song, and you can sing on it whatever you want on it. It was just like that. It was just that we started to trust each other again. You know. Yeah. And um, 
prostitute, the title came because I had a song. I had a song that then later on was released on my second soul arm, which was called Soul Man. And this song originally was called Prostitute. And um, it, it, it was meant to be the title song for the Prostitute album, but for, for reasons unknown, this song disappeared out of the production at that time, but still the title remained. And um, uh, and when when we finally released a prostitute, uh, there was no release in America because of uh, because of the title. Right. And they, they said uh, you you need another title for for the album. And I said no, we we're not doing it. Yeah. yeah. Which was very stupid of us, actually. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we said no, never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they don't want it, you know, then they don't get it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. the record company right <laughs> yeah do you do you remember where you were the first time you heard big in japan on the radio yeah i was working in a kitchen as a and i was peeling potatoes because at that time i mean nobody expected it to be what what it then became right you know, I, was just, I was just doing my jobs you know and after i think after three or four days uh, the cooks threw me out of the kitchen and said, you don't belong here anymore. They're playing your song constantly on the radio, you know. So, <laughs> it's off. You know, right. we don't hear. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what about, like, the most interesting place? It's like you've heard, like, one of your songs. Or unusual, you know. I mean, uh, on um, there's a song on um, uh, on uh, second last album strange attractor um which is called mafia island This, the song t- tells tells a true story. I mean, it's almost 
told in, inside the lyrics. It's uh, uh, I was with a friend. I was uh, we traveled Africa, Tan East Africa, Tanzania, and um, uh, we were on the beach there. And um, one day that there came these these dealers. They, they were selling like cigarettes and and uh, all that kind of stuff, joints and all this kind of stuff. And he came came to us and we were there at the beach and said, don't, don't you want to come to, uh, I, I know an interesting place, uh, it's called Mafia Island and maybe you're interested in coming with us? And uh, we said, okay, well, is it? Yeah, it's, it's a bit outside, we, we're going outside and you see the little spot there in the, in the ocean. Uh, yeah, that, that, that is it. It's called Mafia Island. And you, you will like it if you come. Um, so we gave them some money and um, they took us to Mafia Island, and it was it was really a weird, absolutely weird place. It was there was like a it was just like a dune, a sand dune in the ocean, and there was a from wreckage and they had built a kind of bar. Behind the bar, there was a giant man, a giant black man in a white uniform, <laughs> <laughs> selling you all drinks that you ever could want for. There was a couple of yeah prostitutes there oh, yeah. definitely and um uh and some some other some other just a few other 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 guys there and and we we just spent the whole afternoon drinking at this bar and we, after a while we were totally pissed the sun was just beaming down on us you know there was no there was just a, like a solar solar tent and um and it, it became really psychedelic. And in the end, we ended up lying on the beach, you know, in the um, in the evening. It, it, in, uh, it, it becomes very dark, very early in these areas. You know, at seven o'clock, it's dark. And uh, the, the, the stars above us, and you couldn't see the mainland anymore. Hmm. I mean, there were just a few lights, but you couldn't see the, the land. And... Um, and there was, we were sitting there or lying there on the beach, totally pissed. You know, these these girls were just there around us, and suddenly one of these girls said, um, "Don't you think that, that this is the end of the world? Maybe there is no no mainland anymore. Maybe we're the the last people on on Earth." And um, and then they, this guy came up and and said. Yeah, man, I know you. You are, aren't you, the singer of this this uh, this uh, European band? I said, uh, which, which band? You and he said, you know, this band. Uh, you had this song. <laughs> I said, what kind of song you mean? Yeah. It goes like forever young. I want to be forever young. Hmm. So that was the strangest, the strangest uh, place. Right. Alphabet music. <laughs> That's that's amazing. That's really fun. <laughs> but Marion, I really appreciate your time today. Best of luck with the album. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. So all the best. And a special thanks to Marion for joining me today. Eternally Yours is out now. You can follow the band on Twitter at Alphaville underscore band. Their website is alphaville.earth. And if you have a guest session, hit me up on Twitter at the first one9 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out all the best episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. 
don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Show me found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically wherever you can find a podcast. New episode comes out every week, I promise. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.